0: During, these, during the Lenten services, we considered some different people of the Passion who were there. But tonight, we're going to be thinking about somebody who you would have expected to be there and who wasn't there. A servant boy. Servant boy who wasn't there, but we're going to think about the, the servant who was there, Jesus. Going to look at a couple different places. Uh, Going to look first in Luke's account of what happened that night in Luke chapter 22 and verses 17 to 20, and then moving down to verses 24 to 27. And you can remain seated as we read. Uh, Luke 22 and verse 17, he says, After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Then verse 24, After a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest, Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And then in John's account, his service is described, and we'll read from John 13 and verses 3 to 5. And this before the supper was served, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Lord, thank you for being willing to be the servant. And Lord, that is so contrary to our way of doing things and yet so need and such a wonderful gift. We pray that you'd be so gracious now as to, to serve us by speaking to us through your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. I've known folks who've worked at places like Costco who were very much working hard at trying to get into management, and that's understandable. That, that's, what, that's what you do. You you get in a place and, and you work and you, you want to get to a place where you maybe have a little bit of authority. You maybe have a title. You have a position. I haven't known anybody who went to work at a place like, say, Costco, and they say, boy, I want to figure out how I can be the guy who sweeps the floors. I want to figure out how I can be the guy who has the worst shift hours around here and does the work that nobody else wants to do. Now, that's... That's not how human nature and ambition works. Ambition is we want higher position. We want a little more power. We want to be giving orders. We don't aspire to be the servant. And then we look at Jesus. We look at Jesus, who as he declares here, he lets him know, he reminds him he's the king, he's the one who's over everything, and yet he chooses to be the lowly servant. Our nature isn't prone to be the humble servant. We're not prone to be the humble servant. He said that night there was somebody missing. There was no servant boy at the meal. There, there's nobody there to to wash the feet as they came in, and it was something that often at it, special meals they they'd hire some kid to come, and before everybody would have the meal, they'd wash their feet because they'd been walking in sandals on dirt roads, and and so they'd have some boy come in and and wash feet, and and you wonder almost if the disciples, as the meal starts out, they realize oh we, nobody got the the servant boy, and and maybe Peter tells Andrew, I thought you were going to do that, and John and James are arguing, no, it was your job, and no, it's your job, and they were having some issue about who was supposed to get the boy. By the way, God maybe purposely did something so that there wasn't a servant boy that night. We don't see any of the disciples stepping up and saying, oh, okay, we forgot the servant boy, so I guess I'll do it. No, instead, it, it says they were arguing about who was the greatest. <clears throat> Jesus, he's obviously the greatest. And, but he tells them, he, he says, no, that's how the world does it. The world lords it over people. The world tries to be the ones who are the greatest position and all of that. But he says, with you guys, it's to be different. With us, we're to be doing what is contrary to our nature. Our nature is to try to get to be giving orders. But he says we're to be living lives that are going contrary to that. Cars sometimes will... Maybe get a little out of alignment and and they'll just keep wanting to go a certain direction and you almost have to fight it because the car just feels like it's wanting to go off to the side and not go straight. and You're kind of fighting it to keep it from going that direction. But we need to recognize that in our nature, our nature is to go to selfishness. Our nature is to go into looking out for self and trying to give orders to others. And that's where our nature goes to, and we need, in a way, we need to keep fighting it to say, okay, I'm not going to go that route. I know that's a route I have the tendency to go. I know that's where my nature would go. I'm going to keep pulling it so it doesn't go that direction. Jesus, he, he calls us to live differently, and we do it because he lived differently. Jesus took the position that was most humbly, he said, "No disciples volunteered to do this, but Jesus he he got up from the meal. He, he takes off his, his outer clothing and then he wraps a towel around himself, the towel that was the servant's towel. He takes on the servant garment." And then he just starts washing feet. He does it before he said anything. And his disciples are, are shocked about this. It was, a, it was the kind of thing that only the most humble, lowly servant did. If you went to hire somebody, you, they say you'd hire a servant boy. You'd hire somebody who was maybe desperate to make a buck. Somebody who didn't have position or standing. That was the kind of person who would wash feet. And yet, here's Jesus doing it. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that he made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant. And here he is living it out. Jesus, the one who's the king over all kings, the one who is holy and divine, the son of God, the high and exalted one. And yet he lowered himself to the lowest position. That night, he takes that position of being the lowly foot washer. And then... Just as the disciples are thinking he took the lowest position they could imagine, the next day he gets even lower. The next day he becomes one who is mocked, one who is spit upon, one who is whipped, one who is treated as the worst of criminals, and one who is nailed to a cross, hanging totally naked in front of the crowd. In Isaiah 53, as we read it, it says he was despised and we esteemed him not. (laughs) Jesus chose that position. Imagine chairman of the Joint Chief of Staffs of the United States military, the highest position there is in the U.S. military. Imagine him volunteering to dig latrines. Not happening. And yet, what the King of Kings did for us is far more dramatic, far more amazing. Jesus takes a position of the humble servant, and Jesus is among us as one who serves. As the disciples argue about who's the greater. Then Jesus, he, he tells them who is greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves. Is it not the one who's at the table? And he's saying basically that's, you know, the world, the way the world does things. Yeah, that's how it is. The, the world thinks the, the one at the table is greater. That's who the world exalts. But then Jesus says, but I am among you is one who serves. He's in our midst as one who serves. And even now, he is here as one who serves. He is here as one who cares for our needs. He's here as one who looks out for what's best for us. He's among us. He's with us as a servant. He's a servant who is present, the servant who is near. In Luke 12, in verse 37, it, it, Jesus talks about one's coming in for a meal and then he, he says the master over the table and he's talking about the second coming in himself and he says the master dresses himself to serve. Jesus is a master and yet he dresses himself to serve. And we come to god 's table is night tonight, and, and we come in the one who deserves to be the head of the table, dresses himself to serve, and he's among us is one who serves As you said dinners then and dinners today too often you go to some special place for some special dinner there's often. Somebody who's, who's there and they're, they're serving and they're, they're maybe kind of watching. When, does, when do the water cups need to be refilled? Does somebody need something? Do we need to clean up? Do we need to take care of their needs? Is something missing? And there's somebody who's kind of watching and, and serving. The king of kings is willing to do that for us. Jesus is among us as one who serves, one who's watching and seeing what we need, seeing what's going on in our life, seeing when there's a struggle and there's a problem, when we're in need of protection, we're in need of direction, need of encouragement. Jesus is among us as one who serves. And Jesus served by giving his life. He says as he institutes communion, he he says body given for you, blood poured out for you. Our greatest need is having our sin paid for. And Jesus serves by giving his body and his blood. In Matthew 20 and verse 28, Jesus said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom meaning he he gave his life to pay the price for our freedom. To pay that ransom price so that we could be set free from our sin. We think if we give somebody a little bit of our time, that's pretty good. (laughs) We think if we give somebody a bit of our effort, that's good. If we give some of our resources... That's good. And I've had people give me some very generous, kind things. But there's still one gift that tops them all. Jesus gave his life. Jesus gave his life for me, and he gave his life for you. There's no gift that matches that. In John 10, verse 11... Jesus describes himself as a good shepherd. And he says a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A good shepherd doesn't just think about what the sheep ought to do for him. No, a good shepherd looks after the needs of his sheep. And the really good shepherd is willing to put his life on the line for the sheep. The good shepherd, if he he sees something coming to attack the sheep, the good shepherd gets in the way. And he protects the sheep. He does whatever the sheep need. He cares for the sheep. And Jesus is that good shepherd. He's the ultimate shepherd who lays down his life so that his sheep can live. That's what Jesus was willing to do for you. He's willing to humble himself, willing to lay down his life in order... To serve us. Christmas is, of course, a holiday that we think about gifts. But tonight ought to be the night we think about the greatest gift. Tonight isn't a night that we give gifts to one another, but instead it's a night that we think about the greatest gift we've ever been given. Jesus giving his life for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for that great gift. Your life given for us. Your blood poured out for us. There's other gifts that we've received that are nice, but there's no gift that matches that one. Thank you for being the servant. And thank you for still being among us as one who serves in Jesus' name. Jesus instituted Holy Communion on that night, and and we're going to receive it uh, tonight. But before we do, let's sing uh, another hymn that speaks about the cross, uh, number 63, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.